0: Nat Tenchich here and happy International Women's Day. To celebrate I'm excited to share with you this in-depth conversation with queer sex worker, feminist, writer and advocate Tilly Lawless. Now feminism and sex work have a complicated relationship to say the least. Feminism in the past has largely taken a pretty binary view of sex work that it's either exploitative or empowering. In her writing and activism, Tilly has been calling for a more nuanced view of sex work that captures the reality of her day-to-day with the necessary rights and respects of any job. In this chat, we get into the misconceptions around her industry, why Tilly doesn't find it empowering, and how to combat the shame and stigma that still hangs around sex work. Tilly Lawless, thanks for being with us on The Hookup. My pleasure. Lovely to be here. So I guess for those who um, are less aware of your your work and what you've been doing, um, can you talk us through like how you got your start in sex work? It was like quite a while ago now, right?
1: Yeah, I started almost eight years ago. Um, so I started when I just turned 20 and I started because I'd moved to Sydney for uni And obviously, Sydney is an expensive city to live in when you live out of home and if you don't come from a wealthy family. And so I needed a job that would be like financially lucrative, but also still allow me to study. And I was like, you know, sex work, drug dealing, sex work, drug dealing and decided to go with sex work because I'm not very discreet. I thought I'd probably be bad at drug dealing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's more fun too surely (laughs) your talk that you're um part of for the all about women festival is around feminism and sex work two things that you are very much passionate about and you know they're kind of like kind of your bread and butter basically but where do you think feminism sits with sex work in 2021 because I see it getting a bit better yeah no totally I feel
1: like A lot has changed in the last five years I feel like we're kind of in this sort of like moment of like burgeoning sex worker rights conversations like globally Um, and I feel like you know traditionally feminists have been pretty anti-sex work but I really feel like that's changing with a new generation of voices and it's definitely I would say most people I meet in Australia Are definitely accepting of sex work these days like that can't be said for internationally like obviously most places in the world still have anti-sex work legislation and so I feel like that um, carries across to people's attitudes but I do feel like I'm seeing more and more sex workers be included at feminist events and things like that which is really good.
0: Yeah you're talking about international attitudes having an impact and I think It's none so obvious than, like, the way that the U.S. is still um, issues, like, serious, like, Freudian issues with sex work are still rippling out to sex workers around the world, Um, you know, passage of laws that have destroyed spaces like back page and the like like oh totally you know sex workers are getting blocked banned and silenced online like what do you think needs to change
1: the U.S. is a whole other ball game because it you know the way it began historically I mean obviously not the way it began but the way it began with white colonialists was Protestants fleeing various countries that they were persecuted in so like it began as a religious country And that religion is just so ingrained in their culture that there's a vein of Puritanism in America that really clashes with sex work. And I honestly don't know if that's something that will ever change or change any anytime soon, like I'm not versed enough in American culture to know, but yeah, as you said, like America's attitudes to sex work has a ripple effect across the whole world because you see like legislation like foster SESTA, which affects sex workers on the internet everywhere because most of us use American um, hosted websites. And for example, America is the only country in the world that doesn't allow sex workers to enter the country, like immigration wise. So, like, other countries in the world will refuse sex workers' entry if they think you're planning to work while you're there. But America actually doesn't allow anyone who's done prostitution, as they call it, in the last 10 years. Um, you're an in a bit inadmissible alien if you've done sex, like, full-service sex work in the last 10 years. So they just have a wild attitude towards sex work. Like, they view it in sort of in keeping with their with the spreading of vice, you know, like something that's like contagious and um, damaging to society. Um, Yeah, so I I really don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. I don't have much hope.
0: (laughs) I know. I feel like every sex worker I follow on the internet has like backup pages after backup pages because it's just like you have to, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's been, I mean, it's been kind of interesting Um, I saw like a lot of posts from sex workers with this like whole furore around Facebook um, getting rid of news in the last week and um, I saw all these memes of journalists complaining to sex workers about getting kicked
0: off platforms like (laughs) yeah you're like welcome welcome to the club
1: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) it's like oh now you care
0: (laughs) I want to know like what you think people most get wrong about sex work like what do you think is the biggest mis- um, misconception that's still out there
1: I feel like people still have huge misconceptions about what kinds of people do sex work so you know I feel like there's the awful like stereotype around like you know only um drug addicts who've been sexually abused as children would do sex work but I still see now, obviously in reaction to that, then there are like other stereotypes, like people are like, oh – only like empowered, incredibly confident um, women do sex work. I feel like we still reduce sex workers to types, you know, like whether that's people with a really high sex drive or like whatever. I still feel like, yeah, we're reducing the concept of sex workers to types when I don't feel like we look at other jobs and go, oh, these are the kind of people who do this job or this is the kind of assumptions we can make about this person by being in this line of work.
0: I saw your piece on the binary of empowerment and exploitation. Oh,
1: yeah. I guess I was kind of talking about that in what I was just saying. Yeah. (laughs) Totally.
0: And so like I was wondering, you know, you you talked about how it kind of irks you when people talk about that, like the empowered uh, sex worker. Can you explain why?
1: I just think it's completely reductive. Like I said this um, in my TED talk, I said like – empowerment is not a prerequisite for human rights. Human rights are a prerequisite for empowerment. Like, I think we're just looking at it the wrong way around, you know, like people want to know if you're empowered and then if you're empowered, they're happy to support you. I just think it's irrelevant are people empowered by jobs? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, jobs are generally something that you do to earn money to live. Maybe you can theoretically feel empowered by work if you're someone who's well off and is able to choose work purely for passion reasons. But otherwise, I'm I'm not really sure if it's possible.
0: (laughs) I want to talk too about the exploitation side of things because we're getting away from that with the the empowerment conversation, I guess. Or like, you know, it's trying to combat that idea of exploitation but like i'm really curious what you think about this because i do sometimes wonder about the real concern of people being exploited like sometimes i feel like the rhetoric of trafficking alarmists and anti-porn groups and all these like uh, moralist kind of groups online make it really hard to see what the actual picture of exploitation is from your perspective inside the industry, like how much of that are you actually seeing? Well, I feel like I can't speak hugely to that. We'll put it this
1: this way. The issue with the media obsession with sex trafficking is um, really distorted because more people are trafficked into domestic labor industries, but no one's panicking about saving people from domestic labor and, you know, putting them into being a seamstress in a factory or whatever. Like it's only the sex trafficking that they focus on. But it's also a really complicated thing because I think we think of people as either victims or having autonomy when often people move between those states. Like I have worked at places where I have felt exploited and I have felt my job was really, really awful. Um, and then I've worked in other environments when I haven't felt that way. And also when you're, um, I know when I've been really mentally unwell and um, um, broke and having to work when I'm really, really depressed, um, it's felt really exploitative because I felt like I'm, I'm doing something that I wouldn't have to do if, if um, that I wouldn't do if it wasn't just for survival. Um, and, you know, people sometimes work in circumstances where they have, you um, an abusive partner who's controlling their lives in some ways. And so that's exploitative, but then they can have other circumstances where they don't feel that way. So I think we need to realize that like those those things like fluctuate. It's like a really complicated discussion, but I personally don't feel like I can speak to it that much. Like I'm not um, informed or an expert on uh, trafficking in any way. Um, I will say that the way we combat trafficking often doesn't help people who are trafficked so like often what governments do is if if a migrant worker has come over and you know they've paid they've paid someone um to get them over here so they have a debt that they have to pay off through work right the government finds out the government deports them back to the country that they've come from and they're still they're back where they started where they didn't want to live and now they've got a debt to pay off and that's supposedly saving them, you know, sending them back to where they came from. Whereas wouldn't wouldn't it be better to allow them to continue working here if that's what if that's what they wish to do? Um, because a lot a lot of women who do come over, um, migrant workers who do come over have done sex work in their own country originally, you know, like it's a skill that they have.
0: I wanna take you on that um that idea of like skilled, right? Sex work is like a career path for lots of people, that it's a s that's it's a job, it's an occupation, a vocation with actual skills talk to me about this like idea that sex work is just kind of something anyone could do or is like a plan b or is something that you just you can fall into like do you want it to be seen as like a real vocation
1: it is it is sometimes a last resort for people because one thing that every person has is a body so, being able to work with your body and sell a sexual service in your body is something that's accessible to a lot of people, when maybe other kinds of work aren't. So that that's why that's why people think that it's um, easy or doesn't doesn't require any skill because it can be a last resort, but it is something that requires skill. In that, like, I have so many friends who are like really good-looking women. Who think like who you know ask me about sex work and think they'll make a lot of money because they're used to being told how good looking they are and then they try it and they make hardly any money because they don't have the skill set it requires. You have to be someone who's very good at small talk. For example, like in escorting a brothel work, which is what I tend to do, being good at small talk helps. Um, being diplomatic helps. Being tactful helps. Being friendly helps being good at customer service helps being able to read um, people's unconscious cues um, because often people don't really know what they want in a booking and you're having to respond to their body language. Like that helps. Um, having good boundaries is really, really important. And often I know a lot of sex workers who say that doing sex work, strengthen their boundaries, um, having good communication skills is important. And then if you're looking at something like, for example, like being a BDSM mistress, that requires a whole other kind of skill set. Um, Or if you're someone who's being like a sugar baby, that is a lot of emotional labor, you know, because you're basically in the guise of a girlfriend. So, you know, when people come into it thinking, oh, I can just be a pillow princess and like starfish and just lay there, like, it's it's not like that at all. Like, there's a lot of conversation that's involved. And also, the work is physically tiring. You know, like I have RSI on my wrist from all my years of working in a massage parlor and giving hand jobs. And like I have a sore back from doggy and like I have a sore legs from like walking up and down stairs in high heels. Like it's not a, it, it is a physically grueling job, but it's also um, an emotionally grueling job. Um, and I feel like the people who say that it doesn't require skills are people who've never done a shift of sex work. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'll, let's take the flip side because um, we've talked about the grueling, but what are the most fun parts of your job?
1: I love brothel work because I get to be with a community of mainly other women um, and sitting in the girls' room speaking to, you know, um women from all different countries and you just feel like such a solidarity with them. And there's such an accelerated intimacy. And there's also, we have so much fun in the girls room. Like, you know, you have like a strange booking with a client and you come down and you like tell all the girls and you all laugh about it. Like I love that community that exists. Um, I also really enjoy meeting people like clients that I wouldn't meet in other circumstances and having sort of like moments of like genuine intimacy and connection. And it makes me, it's like, kind of life-affirming it makes me feel good about the world like there is an ability to connect with people I mean it can also be awful because when you're mentally unwell you go to work and you feel really discordant and you feel disconnected from everyone and you're like oh I'll never connect with anyone ever again you know and that can be a really awful thing to push through but at other times it's also really reassuring to know that you can have like a nice time with complete strangers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I wonder too about those complete strangers and um, clients and where, you know, we've been talking about the fact that this industry, like shame kind of circulates or orbits around this industry, which is what you're trying to break out of. How do you think we change that or move that needle for clients as well?
1: I think the first thing we need to do is not look at clients homogeneously. So like, I think we assume that clients are all straight men, you know, Um, when that's not it at all. Like I see many women clients um, and they are largely straight men, but it's not because straight men have a higher sex drive. It's because straight men have more of an expendable income, like they earn more. And also it's more culturally acceptable for them to book sex workers. I honestly feel that if, Um, women like earned as much as men um, and it was acceptable for them to spend their money on things like sex work we would see way more women clients so I think that's the first thing that we need to like rephrase is that it's not just like heterosexual sex that it's occurring I mean the tempting thing that people often do is to like weaponize disabled clients and be like oh you know um, you've got to, um, you have to be sympathetic to sex work clients because what if they're disabled and they can't have sex otherwise? Do you know what I mean? Which I feel like is really sort of often really insulting to disabled people because it assumes that no one would want to have sex with them unless they were paid. Um, so I don't feel like that's the most like helpful outlook to take. Um, but for me, I the way I look at it is, I think that sex is sex and, and and it's not always just about sex like I think often it's about human touch and I think often straight men only know how to be physically intimate with someone um through sex you know like hugging and things like that isn't as isn't as socially acceptable for them or like lying in bed cuddling someone so I think often they access those other things through sex and through a sex worker um I think that we just need to like remember that like um, touch and human connection and all those kind of things is, is, a, is a part of being alive and is a need for a lot of people. And I personally think it's perfectly acceptable to pay for those things. Uh, I also think it's, you know, in the busy lives a lot of people live, like it's often easier to pay someone for sex than to be in a um, relationship, you know, which is the other kind of acceptable way that people um, have sex, you know.
0: Because mm. I think about this a lot in terms of like, Anything that's pleasurable is often not considered a need, even though sex is a need and it's pleasurable.
1: Yeah, totally. I think that's true. I mean, I'm kind of cautious of calling it a need because then you get into like the whole thing of incels being like, I'm owed sex because it's a need. And I don't think any of us are owed
0: anything like human connection and touch are needs for sure.
1: Yeah. Human connection and touch and needs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Which is why I guess it's like when you, when it comes to sex work, it goes into this like luxury category when, you know, if you're thinking about these things as like needs, like housing's a need, um, yeah. food is a need. Why is sex not like a need on a similar level?
1: Totally. And it's like, you know, it's okay to like, Go pay for like a massage or something when you have a sore back, like that's seen as like self care or whatever. But um, it's not okay to see a sex worker. But also, I don't put sex on a pedestal. Like I don't see it as any more important or different to like other kinds of touch and connection.
0: Yeah, exactly. Do you have any inkling why do you like why you think people do?
1: I mean, some of it's tied to religion, obviously, and then I think there's also a lot of new age spirituality stuff where people um think that sex is somehow more intimate than other things like I don't know the thing I've always said is like when I'm if I'm in love with someone like I can have I can have a meal with that person and and like sit in bed with them and laugh with them that feels more intimate than sex ever will you know what I mean like I I personally think that intimacy comes from not physical acts but emotional connection
0: yeah totally agree in that sense too like you don't have a heap of time to establish intimacy with a client What kind of techniques and things do you do to like go about that? Um, To be honest,
1: sometimes it happens organically. The one thing I've kind of learned with this job is that like um, sexual desire doesn't equal sexual compatibility. Like sometimes I see someone and I like a client and I would not think I'd be attracted to them. But then in the room, we just vibe. And that when that happens, that's incredible because it doesn't require much work on my part. Like it's just happening. But things that I do, I... may be different to some other sex workers because I tend to um, talk about my personal life a lot with clients and that puts them at their ease and makes them um, talk to me back about theirs but I know a lot of uh, sex workers don't like to do that for um, safety and privacy reasons which I totally get but like that's the kind of person I am just in general life like I tend to tell people <laughs> everything and create a space in which they feel like they can tell me things back you know and so a lot of clients like me because of that you know like I'll be with them and I'll be like oh my god I've been so horny today like I'm just like so in love with this girl and like I just like really like do you know what I mean like, I, just like, <laughs> I totally like word vomit and they're like wow and then they're like come back to me with stuff um but I don't know if that's like necessarily the most professional thing to do <laughs> It's probably like, you know, a therapist, like, talking about their life first.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep. I can entirely identify as, like, a first meeting overshare type. Um, It definitely (laughs) makes people feel closer to you than they really are. So, yeah, like, running it back out with the theme of the talk, it's, you know, feminism and sex work. What else do you think needs to happen to see us, like, break free of all of society's stigmas around sex work and trying to control and police women's sexuality in general. How do you think feminists can truly embrace um, embrace sex work fully and be on side?
1: I mean, on a practical level, there's, like, the fact that a lot of states in Australia still don't have decrim. And, for example, in South Australia, sex work's still completely legal. So, like, things like that um, in Australia, things like that need to change. I think, like, on an individual level... It's about always being aware of prejudices inside you and challenging them. So, like, I often, for example, like, when I'm into someone and, um, you know, they I, like, stalk their ex and I feel like, oh, my God, their ex is, like, so much prettier than me and, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, those are, like, you know, that's internalised, like, misogyny in that, like, I've been like culturally taught to be competitive with other women which is like not a healthy behavior and like so I need to like look inside myself and wonder where that's coming from and how I can change that and I feel like to be honest like the legislation is one issue but the stigma is so tied to um women being threatened by other women's overt displays of um, sexuality, also um, there's sort of like um scarcity myth that there's like not enough men to go around. So we have to somehow like compete for male attention and things like that. All these like things that we're sort of raised with, those are very much what ties into um anti-sex work attitudes. Um, I also think um a lot of it is about class and people who are working class upsetting the status quo and having um, access to visible money and things like designer clothes and like um, plastic surgery and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think we just kind of need to, and sorry, I'm saying we because I'm I'm thinking about women. Sorry. I generally, obviously there are, there are men feminists too, but like I generally only think about women in my life. I mean, (laughs) um, I guess, I guess if I was speaking about, if I was speaking about men's attitudes to sex work, Um, I would say often that comes down to um, them being threatened by women doing something that they feel like they should have control over, which is women's sexuality. Or um, sometimes, you know, it comes down to um, women being able to access wealth through something that they feel like they can't access wealth from, which is hilarious because, you know, there's only two industries in the world that women earn more than men in, and that's sex work and modelling which are two, you know, very like closely linked industries. So I'm like to men, let us have it. You know what I mean? Like this is the one thing we earn more than you in. Just like, you know, like, don't be threatened by that. <laughs> You've got everything else. <laughs> I hope that answered your question.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely did. Um, Tilly, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat to us on the hookup it's been a total pleasure very chaotic and i hope we can do it again soon